0: To ride. Welcome to another episode of the Zika Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico-Powell. And I have another treat for you today, Riley Romasco, lovingly known as the Gut-Brain Holistic Nutritionist. Now you've heard me talk about the gut brain connection in many of my shows I've talked about gut health in many of my shows and even the interview I had with Anya that I released uh, in the December we talked about gut health we talked about how it you impacts your weight we talked about how it you impacts your brain but this episode is special because we're going to dig deeper like Shanti always says right dig deeper we're going to dig deeper so you really want to know about the gut How it impacts your body weight. Acid reflux, which is a huge thing. We think acid reflux is, oh, you know, just something that happens. I'll take some Tums and I'll be fine. No, there's a lot more to that. And we're going to talk about her uh, rowdy cousin, Gerd. I still can't say the long name, so I'll just say Gerd just to get over it. But you know what I'm talking about. And, of course, a whole lot more. So this episode is going to be banging. But before I bring Riley on, I have an announcement. I have finally released the Zico recommendation page. This includes all products that I've ever recommended for health, fat loss, gut health, and a whole lot more. I've had many people ask me, "What what what do you what cereal do you eat or what um what supplements do you take or you know, what, um, what do you drink for, like, what do, you, what do you drink? These are all on there. And on most of them, I have my discount code so you can save some money on some amazing products. So the Zika recommendation page is going to be in the description of the podcast and it's going to be in the show notes. But with that being said, let's bring Riley on to the show. Hey, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. I think you're going to bring a lot of people in. Very exciting. Um, So yeah, I'll introduce myself. So I'm Riley. I'm a medical assistant, holistic nutritionist, and also personal trainer. Um, So I have also a bachelor's in kinesiology, minor in dietetics, and then associates in nutrition. So literally everything, every certification, every degree I have is revolved around health and wellness. And I just love it so much. It's very personal to me. And I've been in the health field for about seven years. I'm a bit younger, so I'm 26. Um, And I've been researching it probably far more than that. But In the last couple of years, I've really delved into gut health and its impact on pretty much every system in the body. And I personally have dealt with anything from nerve issues, thyroid, adrenal, skin, immune, mental imbalances. I've dealt with so many different things. And just based on my research and my personal experiences, gut health really impacts everything in the body. And it's so important by addressing the gut, I've healed pretty much all of the things that I was dealing with. And I consistently recommend anyone with any kind of health condition, start at the gut and just see what happens.
0: Oh, I've heard, well, I've read read definitely that 95% of our immune system resides in our gut, but I've also read that 75% resides in our gut. But either way, majority of our immune system resides in our gut, right? Correct. So you have to start there. If you're inflamed, your immune system is never going to be able to tackle viruses or tackle any issues that we have. My personal story, and most anyone who's been listening to me knows this story, so I won't go into details on it, but I had really bad allergies and really bad asthma, and my asthma was tied into my allergies. Nothing to do with activity because I've been active all my life, but whenever pollen count was high, I couldn't breathe, and at times, I'll go home, sit on the couch for days because I... Couldn't move very much because I was high, waiting until the count went down. And um, finally, after asking my doctor, hey, doc, what can I do? Because he had me on three medications, Ibuterol, Advair, and some pills that I decided not to take. So, (laughs) but I I said, doc, something I can do. And he said, no, take your medicine. I said, okay, I'll take my medicine, but I need to do something else because I'm in my 30s. I keep doing this. I'm going to be on more and more pills because he already upgraded me from one to three. And long story short, this March coming up is going to hit three years that I haven't been on any medication whatsoever.
1: Wow. Congrats. Awesome.
0: Not even over the counter. And it's insane because recently I've been having a slight little cough and it happens when it gets colder outside, it palms starts to fall. And I knew it wasn't enough that I need to be on medicine, but I knew that something wasn't right because I know my body very well now. And I changed my diet for a few weeks cough went away completely.
1: Awesome. Away completely. I love hearing I that.
0: Because we have such control over our bodies, but we we put our health in, in the hands of people who don't know us very well. And they don't take time to know us very well. And they're just looking at a chart and say, okay, well, try this. This may help you with that. And try that. That may help you with that instead of looking at the root problem.
1: Right. And even with all the research that we have, all the knowledge that these practitioners have, they're still just practicing medicine. And that's the idea behind it. Everyone is different. They're all just practicing whatever works. Try this, try that. And a lot of times it's just, as you know, and probably your followers know, it's covering the symptoms. It's not getting to the root causes. And Western medicine is terrible at that. I'm a medical assistant, so I know what they do. They just attack the symptoms. They don't address the root causes. So I'm trying to bring some changes to the medical field and we're seeing some, but it's going to take a while. We at least have the naturopaths, the alternative medicine, functional medicine, which are doing that already. We're just waiting for Western medicine to catch up. (laughs)
0: And and you're you're right. There are a lot more doctors. I mean, when I started this show, I didn't realize how many medical professionals I would have gotten on this show. There are a lot of medical professionals who are speaking the truth, who are teaching people to address the root causes. I have I have another story. A client of mine, because this recently happened. He has um a heart arrhythmia issue. So when you if you touch his wrist, you'll feel his heart like boom 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 like it doesn't keep a steady beat. And um of course, we talk about nutrition, but I can't treat him because I'm not a doctor, of course. But I told him about how he was working out, because he's trying to lose weight. And he thinks that if he drops the weight, he'll be fine. I said, yes, that does have something to do with it. But it also has to do with how you're working out. Because he's working out very excessively, picking up his heart rate, trying to burn calories. And that's making it worse, because he's in zone three to zone four consistently. And if your heart is already not beating steadily, you don't want to Having that high in that high zone because you're putting more pressure on your organs that's already not functioning optimally,
1: absolutely. So, yeah.
0: I talked to him about slow and steady. I said, Look, I don't mind if you ride, I don't mind if you do cardio because that he does outside of, he doesn't do that with me. But I want you to ride the slowest you've ever ridden in your life. And he did it, but first he refused, but then he got a little worse, so then he tried, decided to try it. <laughs> and <laughs> after a week, I'm not going to say he's healed. I'm not going to say that for legal reasons, but this is the best he's felt all month. Just by changing the way he trains.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that more isn't always better. I used to do HIIT training six days a week and I ended up getting into thyroid dysfunction and adrenal fatigue. So more exercise is not always better and the type definitely is important as well.
0: Definitely. Now let's talk about Because you're the gut-brain nutritionist, right? (laughs) Yes. So let's talk. We hear this thrown around all the time, the gut-brain connection, the gut-brain connection. I consider the gut the first brain. I don't know where you fall on that, but what is the gut-brain connection?
1: Yeah, so it's basically the way that the gut and brain communicate with each other. And right now there's two main ways that we know about. So the enteric nervous system and the vagus nerve. So the enteric nervous system is actually known as the second brain. It has its own set of neurons, actually 10 times the neurons as the spine. So when you get nervous and you feel it in your tummy, that's the enteric nervous system happening because of all those neurons. So it's highly intelligent it again it has 10 times the neurons as the spine it's insane so we have the enteric nervous system which creates actually most of and i've seen 90 percent, 80 percent. the numbers are always different but most of the brain's neurotransmitters are created by the gut bacteria so that's one major way and then of course the vagus nerve which we can talk about more in depth later but it's basically the longest nerve in the body, and that's another way that the gut and brain are connected and it controls a lot of different functions of the rest and digest parasympathetic state.
0: To do me a favor, I want you to repeat that part about um, our gut bacteria that you just mentioned about the enteric nervous system.
1: So in the enteric nervous system, our gut bacteria actually create most of the brain's neurotransmitters.
0: So, correct me if I'm wrong then, wouldn't that wouldn't the how we feed our gut bacteria play a role in that?
1: Absolutely.
0: So again, the gut brain connection. I've talked to um, a lot on my um previous episodes about the foods that we eat and how they feed our gut bacteria and whether you want to feed the good gut bacteria or you want to feed the bad gut bacteria in your small intestine. So if you haven't heard in if you haven't heard in any of my shows on that, go back and listen to those episodes because I talk about that a lot. But Thank you so much, because that you just taught me something I didn't know.
1: So. Oh, yeah, wonderful! I love when I hear that.
0: <laughs> so, what roles then do a healthy gut play in maintaining a healthy body weight? I want to talk about body weight for a little bit.
1: Okay, so there are so many ways, but there's a few that I can mention, but. Mostly there's a linear connection between gut health and leanness or lean body mass, healthy weight, whatever you want to call it. Basically, the healthier your gut is, the healthier your body weight is. And that's subjective to everyone, right? Whatever healthy weight is to you. But we see that connection. And there's even certain strains of bacteria in the gut like acromantia, fecalobacterium, those are crazy long words, you don't have to know, but just certain strains of bacteria are actually connected to better metabolism, more lean body mass. And we also look at other markers like the F and B ratio, which also shows us the proportion of certain bacteria to one another. So the higher that proportion, usually the more obese a person is. So there's certain markers, we can measure it, but in general, you know, you look at people and their lifestyles, you can see the connections between their diet, their gut health and their weight. And then of course we have most of our absorption in the gut from our nutrients, as well as toxic overload if it's not working properly. more at risk for inflammation which is another way that you can increase your body weight by increasing your inflammation so there's many different ways hopefully that makes sense
0: (laughs) that makes a lot of sense and you know what as you were talking i was thinking about processed foods right because that's one of the if not the main way that we feed our bad gut bacteria right so and there are i want to break down a few things that comes to processed foods one no food in nature is high in fat, protein, and carbs at the same time. None. The closest you may get would be nuts. That's the closest. But then there is still a, a ratio, and then you're looking at more unsaturated fat to saturated fat. Now, you processed food, they take all that and throw that together. Then it's high in sodium then artificial flavors. If it's natural flavors, you don't even know if, where it really comes from. It could, it could be from a beaver's butt or something. I'm not making yeah. that up, that's real.
1: <laughs> Agreed, yeah.
0: So we're eating so many things that our bodies are not designed to break down, right? So then you're talking about high blood pressure and everything else and feeding the bad gut bacteria. Then, so then that's one thing to consider. The other side to it too is again, our body can't break down everything that we have. So then it's gonna store a lot of it. So then we have that mechanism going on. Then the excess inflammation, with which it directly causes oxidative stress. So then we have that going on. So eating processed food, not saying I don't eat anything processed. I'll be a liar if I say I don't eat anything processed. But it's about 15 to 20% of my diet if I have to take a test. Most stuff that I eat, I could, I could kill or basically it's paleo. I'm mostly a paleo approach. Most things that I can kill or... You know, I can, you know, cook or something natural and cook most of my food anyway, but that's a whole different story. So, yes, we got to really stop and look at our diets, because if you're causing so many issues in your body, in your gut, no wonder why we have these problems. I remember when the first research that I came across with gut health and body weight was they took a set of twins, right, and they took some mice. And they changed out the bacteria from the lean twin and put it in germ-free mice. And they took it from the obese twin and put it in the um, the other germ-free mice. And of course, the lean twin kept the mice lean. The obese twin, the bacteria, made the mice obese. And that's when scientists started to realize, aha, there might be a connection there. So now we hear about lactose bacillius and all the other ones that you mentioned that are important. But... You don't have to know all these healthy na- all these lengthy names. What's important to know is that if you want to maintain a healthy body weight, a healthy gut, lower inflammation, lower oxidative stress, you need to make sure that you have good gut bacteria and you need to feed them. Because when I say good gut bacteria, I don't mean just running out and getting probiotics. In fact, on the Zika recommendation page, I don't have any probiotics on there that I recommend. You know why? Because I drink things that can make a grown man's stomach turn. And <laughs> that's how I get my probiotics. And to me, it tastes fine. My body's accustomed to it. so me, it's not yeah. a big deal. But some people are like, ew, I'm not going to drink that. But I said, you need to. It's natural. And if it comes to a point that you need probiotics, that's a different scenario. And I can recommend you to someone. Right. But you have to get what you need from your diet first.
1: Absolutely. I agree with that. And most probiotics on the market anyway are transient. They don't even colonize the intestines. So you're wasting your money most of the time. And As a side note, I usually recommend stool testing anyway, just to see what exactly you might need, because you're probably taking not only the wrong strains, but you're forgetting the ones that you actually need by just not knowing. So good note to test your stool. If you have the means to do it, it's not fun, but it's very helpful.
0: Are you telling me you're the poop doctor too?
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) I do order those tests for people and I've done it myself. So yeah, it's not fun, but it's definitely helpful.
0: Got you, got you. Okay. So let's talk about toxins. Because we know that toxins are terrible for our gut, especially in today's society. We go out there to Walmart, wherever, and we buy these products and we clean our houses and we inhale them all the time. We think we're it's great. But how do toxins damage our gut?
1: So yes, toxins is a subjective term, but we have them pretty much everywhere these days. So in our food, in our cleaning products, on our couches, in our beds. So there's toxins everywhere. So most of them, especially the household products like Clorox, Febreze, Gain, any of those common household products or cleaning products, a lot of them have something called xenoestrogens which are actually endocrine disruptors. So they're a type of toxin that can affect our hormones in a very negative way. So we see a lot of estrogen dominance, Um, even in men, androgen dominance in women, our hormones are just so messed up these days. And xenoestrogens are a huge part of that. Much more than soy. Soy really isn't even an issue. I do a lot of research on that. I'm actually a soy advocate, but that's a side note, gotta be organic. But back to the xenoestrogens, they affect the body's hormone system. And they're just not beneficial in any sort of way. And we also have glyphosate, which is a lot of people have heard of that. It's the common herbicide used in Roundup on genetically modified crops or any type of conventional crops. And we actually have the research on glyphosate. We have the research. So a lot of people think that organic is a scam or whatnot. We have the research that shows glyphosate is damaging our gut. And it's actually acting as an antibiotic for a microbiome. And most people know how harmful antibiotics can be. <laughs> but we also have research with glyphosate, leaky gut, also with allergies. So all these different toxins are causing so many different things.
0: So when I first came to America, I moved here from Jamaica probably 20 years ago. You know how long it took me to know what um, organic meant? Because everything in Jamaica is organic. So I never, we never used that word. And I keep asking people, "What does organic mean?" And they're like, "Well, it's raised without this, you know, it's used without this, without that." And I'm like, "Isn't that just called farming?" <laughs> yeah, isn't that normal?
1: <laughs> it should be.
0: <laughs> I never got it, and I kept saying, "As in fact, even as I started the show, I started to learn more and more about the the differences between organic and non-organic." And part of me, with my asthma, was I switched to eating only organic foods because the the poisons were killing me. And you do think a lot of people do think. That organic is a scam. I remember I was watching um, TV, some friends once, and I'm I'm not going to say, I'm not going to bash anybody anybody, any product on the show because I'm not trying to get sued, but a product came on and it was the law firm that's saying, if you use this product and you develop um, cancer or non-hot lymphoma, then call us blah, 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 whatever, right? It was a, it was a weed killer. And then she was like, yeah, they're just saying that it's a scam, whatever, whatever. I'm like, no. There research out that's showing how damaging these products are. Think about it. They're killers. They are killers. Yeah. What do you think you do when you ingest them? And guess what? You can wash them with all the soap that you want. Is they're seeped into the fruits and vegetables. It's not gonna get that out. Right. So organic is not a scam. Organic is the way it is supposed to be. And that product I'm talking about, I'm talking about glyphosate. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um. You you mentioned um xenoestrogens from what i know our hand sanitizers also have xenoestrogens and what happened when this um when covid started use hand sanitizers use hand sanitizers not using hand sanitizers all day because you keep washing your hand your skin's gonna go away so then what you're causing more hormonal imbalances if you're not using the right products and that's why it's good to to be aware
1: yeah. Even soaps. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could go on. Xenoestrogens are in a lot of different things and it's hard to be hundred percent free, but we have to do the best we can so that we can reduce the toxic overload on our bodies as much as we can. It appreciates it. Trust me.
0: And I'm forming a partnership with a company. I won't say the name to spoil it right now, but they do have some products that you can, um, that can actually help you to remove these toxins from your, from your diet. And I'll get into that in future episodes once everything is launched, but that's going to be, uh, I definitely think it's important because you said we can't avoid it hundred percent and we can eat certain things and do certain things to eliminate some of them, but you're never going to be hundred percent toxin free, especially in today's modern world. Right. Now you talked about the vagus nerve and I love to talk about the vagus nerve. Okay. It's like the life, my life changer. I absolutely love it. What is the vagus nerve? You talked about it a little bit already, but in more detail. And why is there a connection with the vagus nerve and poor gut health?
1: Okay, yes. So the vagus nerve, we did touch on it a bit. It's actually the longest cranial nerve in the body. So it extends all the way from the brainstem, which is sort of in the back of the throat, through the heart, lungs, spleen, uh the stomach small intestine large intestine liver it affects pretty much every organ of digestion plus other organs so our whole digestive system is innervated with the vagus nerve so you can imagine it's very important for digestion and the processes so things like peristalsis motility stomach acid secretion enzymes, and then your mental things, anxiety, getting into that rest and digest. The vagus nerve affects all those different things and bringing you out of fight and flight into that rest and digest. So I always say we cannot heal and we definitely can't heal the gut in a fight or flight state. And this is a major problem. I see a lot of even nutritionists or doctors They're doing the nutrition and the supplements, but this person is still in chronic stress. So stress and getting out of that state is one of the most important foundations that we have for healing or, or, you know, that's kind of a bad word, but addressing the imbalances in the gut. (laughs) So the vagus nerve affects all those different functions between the gut and brain. And getting out of that fight and flight mode into rest and digest, you can also do that with stimulating the vagus nerve. And there are many ways, so I'll go over a few, but anything to do with the throat, so humming, singing, chanting, gargling, stimulating your gag reflex while you brush your teeth, just silly things like that, even meditation, getting out in the sun, just more of those earthy ways to get back into our bodies also help with the vagus nerve.
0: So before, before you came on, I was, I was playing my guitar and I was singing. So are you telling me I was activating my vagus nerve?
1: You actually were. I bet you didn't know.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's why I felt so relaxed, huh?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: But yeah, I, I have a thing that I do all my clients, especially if they're in, they live in high stress, Environments because I tell them I explain to them different difference between fight and fight and rest and digest, right? But I also tell them that if you're in a high stress mode, a fight or flight mode, you'll need to eat. I don't know about you, but I don't fight when I'm eating, like, right? I (laughs) I hope not, (laughs) right? You know, so I try to rest and digest, that's always what's in the name. So I have them do a breathing exercise right before they eat, regardless of what you're doing before, and I do the same thing. I say, you breathe in your nose, hold it for about five seconds and then do a longer breathe out, like twice as long than you breathe in and do that at least five times, if not longer. And put your shift your nervous system into a rest or digest, activating your vagus nerve. And not only will you feel better when you're eating, but when you're in a rest and digest state, your body is more likely to pull from the fat from your food Than actually carbs. Because when you're in a fight or flight mode, your body thinks you're in danger, your body then starts to crave carbs, 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 carbs. But eating the rest and digest helps with fat burning, not just when you're eating, but post-eating. That's why habit-side walking post-meal for like five minutes or so, 10 minutes, go for a nice walk, helps with your rest and digest activating your vagus nerve so thank you so much
1: exactly yeah I say some of the same things to my patients as well so I'm glad you mentioned that
0: now let's talk about what we we you know we talked about a little bit in the beginning um we said we're going to talk about it so let's go acid reflux what are some tips for someone who has this condition and what are some tips to kind of help them get better
1: Okay. So I do want to clear up some definitions that might help people. So acid reflux is actually the temporary action of the backflow of stomach contents into the chest, which is heartburn when it's stuck in the chest. And then when it's in the throat, that's actual acid reflux. Acid reflux is just a temporary thing. It's actually not the condition. The condition is actually GERD. So that's chronic acid reflux known as GERD or gastroesophageal reflux disease. So It's a long word. Um, but yeah, so the your question was the tips to recognize GERD. Is that correct?
0: I want to say if someone before they get to GERD, what if they have acid reflux, what what would be the issue there? And how can they then address it so it doesn't get to GERD?
1: Yes. Oh, that's a complicated one to answer. So Well, we know most people are probably on acid reducing medications, which is not only inaccurate, but also dangerous. We actually need stomach acid to properly digest and reduce that gastric pressure. So there's very rare, very rarely people have high stomach acid. I mostly see low stomach acid. So you can imagine putting people on acid reducers with having low stomach acid. How does that even make sense? How did we get here? I don't know. And we're still trying to clear this up. But um, there's a lot of things involved in reflux. So some of those things are gastric pressure. So any kind of pressure pushing on the abdomen that can be from obesity, from simple as not chewing properly, from drinking with meals too much many other different things. And then there's also the low acid, which causes indigestion, improper breakdown, pushing everything up as well. And there's also pH imbalances. So we could go on and on. There's actually a lot of root causes that are involved in reflux. And it's not high acid most of the time.
0: Now, you said not chewing properly. Can you um, explain that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, so most people... Not only do they eat in probably a fight or flight state, they're eating really quickly. Maybe they're between meetings, whatever it is, they're stressed out. They're just chewing too fast and they're not, or they're, maybe they're taking huge spoonfuls of food. They're not properly chewing. So it's recommended to chew at least 20 to 30 times or more, depending on the type of meal, so that you can actually allow the enzymes in your saliva to properly break down the food and begin digestion. Also, that smaller volume of food by chewing properly reduces the pressure in the stomach, also allows the acids to properly break down the food even more. So it's more complicated and crazy that than people think. Chewing is actually very important in the
0: process. So are you telling me I'm not supposed to just swallow my food? And
1: no definitely not
0: <laughs> that's what they do in the cartoons that they will take the uh the, the roast beef and they just put it out of their throat and they just take the bone comes out you know I wish
1: it was that easy but nope
0: <laughs> oh man you just blew my mind
1: <laughs> yeah
0: I every, every book I've read on digestion has always said that digestion starts um in the mouth actually it starts in the brain And when you smell the food and then when you even in, in the saliva starts to break it down before it even gets to your stomach. So if you don't give it time to break it down, you're missing a crucial step. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I always say it starts in the brain, technically.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So. Are there is it possible to misdiagnose GERD with any other condition?
1: Yes. So I see so many people who think they have GERD or their doctors think they do when it's actually LPR. So LPR stands for laryngopharyngeal reflux. So another long word, (laughs) it's another type of reflux and it has more to do with throat issues, also breathing and lung issues So a lot of the people who think they have GERD, but they have shortness of breath, trouble breathing, constant throat clearing, never-ending mucus in their throat, that's usually more signs of LPR. And I actually have dealt with LPR pretty much uh, most of my life. And It's gone most of the time, but every now and then just with lifestyle things, it pops up. But it is possible to be symptom-free of these things. But to answer your question, yes, a lot of people who think they have GERD actually might have LPR.
0: So if someone thinks they have GERD, what do you think they should do? Get tested? Talk to a nutritionist? Um, what, What would you recommend?
1: Yeah, so unfortunately, nutritionists and even MAs like myself, we can't diagnose, but we can recommend certain protocols that might fit the situation better, but LPR is usually diagnosed by ENT specialists, so ear, nose, and throat, and sometimes gastroenterologists, it just depends. So I would definitely look into the symptoms for yourself. You know, understand your body, know your symptoms, speak with a provider, and see if LPR might actually be the cause rather than GERD.
0: Got you. So, this is going to be the last question on GERD. I think it was on your Instagram or on your website, it was somewhere, but you have a three phase process to healing GERD. Please explain that.
1: Yes. So, basically, I break it up into three phases, but within those, I have so many things in there that I can't even explain, but we address the root causes, like I mentioned before, and and they're different for each person, person, but some of those might be the gastric pressure, even a hiatal hernia, low acid, uh, improper chewing. So we just basically address the dysfunctions that the individual person has, and everyone is different, which is how it's supposed to be unfortunately that's not that way in western medicine in functional medicine it is but um, we basically address if there's any erosion like gastritis or esophagitis those are obviously the priority there because they can cause further damage and then you also can't tolerate certain supplements or foods when that happening so we have to address the erosion first if present And then from there, we work on the basics, even before that. I mean, getting out of that fight and flight, not drinking with meals, working on your stomach acid, reducing pressure, and so on. So there's a lot involved.
0: Not drinking with meals, are you talking about alcohol, not alcohol, or just not drinking in general? No,
1: in general, even water, especially people like myself, I have severely low stomach acid, and a lot of people do, it decreases with age. And we need it for many functions. But a lot of people with low stomach acid, further diluting that with a lot of water is not going to benefit them in any way. And it also actually increases the pressure of the stomach.
0: What if? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So what if they were to drink something like orange juice or something that's more acidic? Does that play a role in it?
1: So it depends, because there's different pHs of different foods and drinks, sometimes they can counteract like more alkaline foods with more acidic foods. So there's another way to address that. But in general, I don't recommend to drink anything with meals. If you have to take supplements or anything, try to take a sip or two, or drink as least as possible.
0: Got you. You just blew my Mine, mind blown, (laughs) mind blown. Everybody can see me on the camera. It's the simple things
1: I know, it's the simple things that blow people's minds, like the chewing and the drinking.
0: Every episode and every interview I do, I learn something different. And right now, my brain is like, it's like all that's
1: awesome. I love that feeling.
0: (laughs) I love your Instagram too. I'm always like watching and commenting on your stuff and sharing with my audience because you post a lot of great information. Is there These are the questions I really plan to ask. So then is there anything you else you want to add that my audience should know?
1: Oh, that's hard to say. Um, in general, if you're, if you feel like, something is wrong and something doesn't feel right, but your doctor's just prescribing medications, medication's not really helping you, you might want to look into more of a functional approach, either with a functional medicine doctor, naturopath, nutritionist even. There's a lot of great nutritionists who know their stuff, but if you feel like something is off and you're not getting the help you need, definitely seek more of a functional root cause-based approach. And I think that can really benefit you because you're all so different. You all have different things going on and your protocol should be different. So hopefully that helps.
0: She basically just said, listen to the Zika Health Show because I have <laughs> a ton of dietitians, nutritionists, functional doctors that come on the show yes. all the time. So listen to the Zika Health Show. Subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Google, and Spotify. I'm not missing anybody. And it'll probably be on Scribd in the future and iHeartRadio, but we'll discuss that later. But yes, yeah, subscribe to the Zuka Health Show, share it out there with your family and friends. Well, we're just about wrapping up. What's the best way for my audience to get in touch with you?
1: So I'm on Instagram, probably the most active on there. You can find me at Gut Expert Riley, R-I-L-E-Y. I'm also Holistic Riley on YouTube. So those are probably the two best ways. I have links to my free ebook, my free webinar, how to contact me and so on. So Gut Expert Riley and then Holistic Riley.
0: The links to her Instagram and her YouTube will be in, this, in the uh, in the show notes. This one's going to be ZikaHealth.com slash... I'm gonna say Riley R. I usually use your first name and your last letter for your last name just to keep it consistent. So, ZikaHealth.com slash Riley R. And again, the Zika recommendation page is gonna be there as well. So check it out. Check out these uh, these wonderful things that I eat on a daily basis that's helped me in so many ways. And get your discount. Get your discount. But thank you so much, Riley. This was a fantastic interview. My mind is on the ground somewhere. I can't really
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Anymore. Right. So, Thank you so much. I had fun and I'm always having fun to blow people's minds and (laughs) educate on simple things.
0: Well, you touched (laughs) on some stuff that I didn't have time to get into in this episode, but I would love to have you on in the future later on in the year is what I'm thinking.
1: Perfect. I would love that. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Zico Health Show. If you got good quality content out of this episode, save subscribe, and share it out there with family, friends, co-workers, or anybody who needs to hear this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.